to be with you this morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, has everybody had a good week? Has anybody had a really awful week? Nobody. Awesome. Does anybody have the best week of their lives? Again, nobody. We're somewhere there in the middle. Uh, well, either way, um, it's good to be together um, this morning. Good to see some of our young faces uh, with us um, today. And uh, wherever Rowan went, um, your day on stage is coming, buddy. Um, I know he was wanting to get up here, so that was fun. Uh, to watch. Thank you, Butches, for sharing this morning. I want to start um, this morning by asking a question of you guys and um, seeing what you have to say. What are some of your favorite Christmas activities, either Christmas activities you did um, as a child or still doing as a child, um, or um, some of your favorite Christmas activities you currently do? What are, what are some of them? Shout them out. Um, what was that? Skating. Skating? Awesome. <laughs> Sledding? Decorating the tree? Cutting down the Christmas tree. I have others? Driving around looking at lights? Any others? Favorite Christmas activities? Who said that? Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> Eating the cookies. Yes, I'm with her. We're glad that you exist for that reason, but I'm going with her. That's awesome, eating the cookies. So, yeah, we, we would spend um, hours, if not days, um, icing sugar cookies. Um, I hated it. I hated it. Man, but I'm glad for people who, who like to do that. So, any other favorite Christmas activities? Well, thank you, Almost Front Row. Focusing on the birth of Christ, she said. Uh, we'll give you the spiritual crown of the, of the morning. Um, <laughs> well done. Uh, I'm sure everyone was thinking that, right? Yes, I love focusing on the birth of Jesus. That's all I do during Christmas season. That's it. Uh, for me, um, man, as a, as a kid, I loved Christmas time. And even um, as an adult in my earlier adult years, just loved it. I loved um, cutting down the Christmas tree. I loved decorating the tree. Um, I loved um, putting the tinsel on. You know, there's a proper way to do that. You know, you have to put it up high and release it perfectly so that it falls onto the tree just right. Um, I did not enjoy um, being the one that was stuck behind the Christmas tree that was to pass the lights on um, properly because there's a proper way to put them on the back of the tree just in case something happens. Um, I, I enjoyed um, being with our family and friends. I enjoyed uh, going every Christmas Eve uh, to my aunt and uncle's house and um, celebrating with them. Um, I really enjoyed, which I don't think anybody said, I enjoyed opening presents. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot that one. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved uh, waking up on Christmas morning. I loved um, and fondly remember the idea of going um, to bed um, on Christmas night thinking, I'm going to stay awake. Um, I'm, I'm going to catch whoever that is that uh, comes to my living room um, and uh, drops off these presents. Um, I, I loved it. And as, um, as an adult over the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years, a lot of those things that um, were Christmas to me have be begun or began to fade to the background. 
yep, I still enjoy um, a good Christmas tree, you know, particularly a live one, particularly one that you've cut, particularly if it's really fat. And to get whatever topper you're putting on it, you actually had to cut part of the tree out because it's so big um, and you got such a good deal on that Christmas tree. I still love uh, many of those things. But um, as the world has be, begun to change, at least for me, maybe it has for you, um, the focus of Christmas for me has also begun to change. Many of those fame or favorite Christmas activities um, just begin to fade to the background. They're no longer uh, what my focus is on um, as much. And, and to be honest, I mean, it's... it's it's though um, I said to God years ago, you know, you, you will pry these things from my cold, dead hands. Because <laughs> I held on to these activities, these traditions, um, so hard and so long. And for so many years of my life, Christmas was never really about Jesus. I was just glad he was born, so we got to do all the other stuff. <laughs> That's why I was glad that Jesus came. And um, this morning, uh, I want us to see that the, the birth of Christ um, isn't just a holiday, but it's what ushers hope um, into our lives, his birth. And that this hope, um, it's as fresh um, as this new fallen snow. His life um, that led um, to his sacrificial death on the cross um, for us um, through our sins, uh, we're going to be uh, seeing today, um, like scarlet, they've been made white as snow. Christmas is the reason that we celebrate, and it's where we celebrate um, the gift uh, we've been given, uh, being made clean and purified from all of our unrighteousness. Today, as we start um, a four-week series um, for Advent, uh, we're going to explore um, the reality of sin. We're going to talk about that especially um, today, Um, and we're also going to be talking about the redemption of our lives through Jesus. It's going to offer us some of the opportunity uh, for some of us uh, for a fresh start, and for many us, many of us, a time to refocus and celebrate Jesus with others, because Jesus is God's great gift to us. He alone is our salvation. He alone is our hope. So let's pray this morning. Father, we know that each of us um, comes in uh, with thoughts, with uh, things that we've experienced um, this week. We each come in uh, with burdens, with joys. Uh, we each come in with excitement for this season. And God, for some, uh, we know that this season um, brings question marks, um, brings pain. And God, we ask today that uh, you would help us um, to hold the reality of the world that we live in. God, to be truthful um, about it. And God, that we would also see um, the hope um, that Jesus um, brings And God, that we'd be able to focus um, on that um, this morning. Transform us today, change us, um, speak to us. And God, may we we be more like Jesus um, by the time we leave. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, in just a minute, we're going to start in um, Isaiah chapter 1. So if you would like to turn um, there, we're also going to spend um, some time in Romans chapter 1. And then a a verse or two... um, elsewhere as well. But uh, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 1. And uh, this morning, um, I want us, as we begin um, this Advent season, to, uh, to focus in maybe what might seem to be an abnormal place. I want us to begin to look at the state of the world um, in which we live in. I want us to begin to look at this world in which Jesus um, entered and enters even today. Because I think to understand the hope in which he brings, 
I think we need and we must understand why we need hope in the first place. So as we begin uh, this journey, turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 4. It says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Merry Christmas. (laughs) This sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel, and they are utterly estranged. Like most of the prophetic books in Scripture, Isaiah here um, declares um, how the children of Israel have again and again turned um, from worshiping God to worshiping idols in their lives. Their relationship with God, it's clearly been estranged. And as seen as this in this one verse, um, God is speaking through the mouth of Isaiah to pronounce judgment and condemnation on the people of Israel. He calls them a sinful nation who are laden or bent over by the weight of their sin, by the weight of their guilt. And that's just the start of it. He calls them an entire group of evildoers given to the lives of corruption who have forsaken their God, spurred him, spurned him, and turned their backs on him. And this is just one verse. We could read further if we went in verse 5. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. I think as hard as it is um, to hear um, God speak of his people like that, I think it's even harder to acknowledge the fact that for them, in this time in history, um, it was incredibly true. They had turned from God. They had turned to evil. were worshiping idols. And everything in their life uh, was ruined. It was so bad that there's this metaphor um, about where their wounds um, are exposed. And there hasn't even been an attempt to bandage them. What an awful picture of how sin has affected them. But oftentimes, um, we think that we're different, (laughs) but we're not. (laughs) Yeah, um, even today, we have Christ, which is incredibly wonderful. And yeah, we have the Holy Spirit. I think that is also true. But sin and rebellion are just as pervasive today um, as they were in Isaiah's time. We're reminded in Romans 3, 23, that for all have sinned, all of us, and the wages of sin is death. There's only ever been one perfect human being. It's Jesus. And as the passage in Romans reminds us, everyone else has fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us. It's why we needed Jesus to come. It's why we needed a Savior more powerful than sin. It's why we can hope in Christ for a life free of sin and rebellion. It's why the prophet later says in Isaiah 1 verse 18, 
He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. We can see the effects of sin. It's clear in the world that we live in. We're reminded that in the beginning, God created everything. He created it, and it was listed and named as good. There was no sin, no death. Um, Mankind walked um, with God in the cool of the evening, and they communed together. It was wonderful. But as sin um, entered in, this was all broken. There would now be physical death where there once was no death. There would be spiritual death where there was eternal life uh, with their creator. That's now broken. And there would be brokenness in our relationship with our creator where there was once wholeness. Forever, I'm in that moment as sin entered the world, it was changed. We see these things playing out um, throughout history. If there are fruits of the Spirit that come from God, which we know these things from Galatians, and are expressed um, through our transformation, then I think we can also assume that there are less fruits or no fruit if God isn't present. We think about love. In our world today, the very definition of love is so confused. People define it as whatever they want to accomplish um, their goal. We think of joy. And as we drift um, further and further away from God, do we not see the lack of joy in the world in which we live, in your schools, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your family? A lack of joy. We think of peace. And certainly uh, we can see that when God is removed, that there is not peace, but rather there's war. War in politics, war in countries, war in families, war in workplaces. War is everywhere. And it's pervasive. People are at war. Patience. We see in our culture that so much of a rush to judgment, so much of a push just to take sides and to do it quickly. We see the lack of kindness, where our culture really doesn't even care about being kind. It's rarely ever even discussed. How we treat people no longer matters. People are simply a means to an end. We're not kind as a culture, as a world. Goodness. Without question, goodness has been replaced with evil. Faithfulness. In our culture, in our time, the only one that you need to be faithful to is yourself. Unless, of course, that doesn't jive with whatever narrative is happening out there at the current time. Gentleness. Our culture, it's not very gentle. It's probably the opposite. The mantra might be seen as, let's be as violent as possible so we get what we want. We see the lack of self-control. I'm not sure much of anybody cares about this one today. We just want to indulge in anything and everything. And yes, I know today is the beginning of Advent. As we look to Jesus, and we're going to get there. <laughs> um, we're going to get there. But I want us um, to look out, to look into Romans chapter 1 in this passage Because I want us to to begin to see the need uh, for the hope of Christ. In Romans 1, um, verse 18, 
And as we read through, think about the world in which we live. And this wasn't written about our time, but it certainly could have been. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This idea of trading the glory of God with um, immortal things. I remember just thinking about um, just for years in the Old Testament as people would worship idols, things made by man. And I thought, how ridiculous. I mean, has anybody ever thought that? Like they're bowing down to like this pole or this statue. Anybody with me on that? Like, who does that? <laughs> and <clears throat> just recently, um, we were at a conference, and the, the speaker was talking about um, preaching the gospel um, in a post-Christian world. And as he began to talk about all of the gods that we have had, he, he began to name them as little gods, um, things that uh, we pursue, things we worship in our own lives, oftentimes ourselves. And he said, it's not so much the little gods that you need to worry about, but it's the big ones, and they're coming. And I thought about that. I'm like, what, what does he mean by that? Because for us, at least in the U.S., we've, we've had this cultural Christianity that's kept some of those things at bay. But now that's ending. And the big gods that people are beginning to worship they are things made by man. And it seems absurd and crazy and still in my heart and mind, but you begin to see it happening. As people trade on the glory of an immortal God with images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So let's look on in Romans. Uh, what happens uh, when we exchange the glory of God and worship ourselves and other things? Verse 24 Again, think about our world today. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, Deceit, maliciousness, they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, 
insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Does it sound familiar? This is the world in which we live, and it's not even written about us. They have exchanged the glory of God and worshipped other things. And this is what happens, and we see this over and over. And when we compare this to God's original creation, as though when he created it, at each step he said, and it is good. And even in creating mankind, he said, um, it is very good. We see um, sin and its effects, um, they're invasive and they're completely destructive. The cultural Christianity for us in our country and even in our world to some extent is being wiped away and we see um, just how evil evil can be. We see how pervasive it really is. But if we go back and look at Isaiah as to the rest of, of that chapter, um, he mentions many things uh, that are going on with the children of Israel. But in verse um, 18 in chapter 1 of Isaiah, he says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. For us, as we've already discussed, this idea in Romans that all of us have sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. But here, what Isaiah so colorfully illustrates, here's the bright and permanent stain of sin. In ancient times, you see, um, they didn't really have things like bleach uh, to take out um, stains. They didn't have um, all of these um, chemical concoctions that could just take out one color and return something to its original condition. In ancient times in which Isaiah was writing, when it talked about this idea of scarlet, this bright red was achieved um, by adding a dye to the fabric. And it could not be changed. It was forever uh, made part of it. It was in the material, not to be removed. So the picture here in Isaiah 1.18, it's not only a picture of a bright stain, but it's one of a permanent one. It's unremovable. There's nothing that the ancient people could have done um, to change the material back to its original state. And as we think about um, this idea of stain removers <clears throat> that we might have today, we try to imagine the most bright and colorful stain, and I want you to do that today, to try to imagine the most bright and colorful stain all over your favorite shirt, favorite pair of pants, maybe your favorite socks. And try to imagine there's nothing that you can do to remove it. Nothing. It's too bright, it's too deep, it's too stubborn, it's never coming out. That shirt, those pants, those socks, um, they're never, they're never going to be the same ever again. They're forever uh, marred and changed. This, this is the kind of permanence that Isaiah is trying to get at, where he says your sins are like scarlet. He's saying that they're, they're unremovable. But then he says this, but they shall be white as snow. In contrast to the bright scarlet red is this idea of pure white snow. Does anybody love seeing it snow? 
I love it. When it's just coming down, the heavy flakes, um, like the world seems to change, doesn't it? It's almost as though um, everything um, pauses. And I thought, um, I thought Aaliyah, my daughter yesterday, said it was going to snow today, and I was so excited. Uh, but I think she lied to me. Because <laughs> I looked at the weather this morning, and I didn't see snow on the list. Um, so it's going to rain. So, uh, so we're going to be working on um, how to read the weather report in our home <laughs> and how to not disappoint your father. Uh, but I, I love uh, when it's snow. It just almost brings this, um, this stillness as this fresh um, blanket of pure white snow begins to descend um, on the ground. It's as though everything becomes calm and quiet. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. But who can turn scarlet red to perfect white? To an ancient listener, this would have seemed like an impossibility. But he says it. And they know that no one can turn scarlet to snow. No one can turn red to white. But this morning, I want us to remind it of this. In Luke 1, we're told that for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. The impossible is possible with God. You might even recognize this verse. It comes uh, from the passage where the angel Gabriel was sent um, to Mary to tell her that she's going to give birth to Jesus. Sounds impossible. Um, Interestingly, um, as Gabriel is telling Mary about um, the birth of Jesus, um, he just kind of nonchalantly um, throws in this idea um, that nothing is impossible with God as if the miraculous nature of God is just commonplace. Um, It's just commonplace um, to the residents of his heavenly courts. And I think as I pause on that idea, that the miraculous is common to those who are in um, the presence of Christ. The miraculous, that's just a normal day. And if Jesus um, told us to pray um, these words, that his kingdom come and his will be done, on earth um, as it is in heaven, then shouldn't we expect the miraculous uh, would become commonplace here as well? And what um, could become more miraculous than turning sinners into saints? I don't know how often you think about how how much of a sinner you are. Um, I think about um, this often. And, and sometimes it can be a downer, right? When you realize just how corrupt, um, just how um, impacted your life is um, by sin. I, I, I wrestle with that um, at times. But this idea of that God can turn sinners into saints, that he can take broken things and make them whole again. He can bring lost sons and daughters of the kingdom home. Again, we all have a family and friends. They need a miracle. They need a miracle to come to Jesus. They're not coming to him on, on their own. Um, they're not uh, waking up on, on most weekdays and saying, hey, I, I'm going to go to church because I want to I hear about Jesus and I want my life to be changed. Um, most, most people aren't. Um, in fact, I don't think anybody is unless um, God is calling them. 
it's, it's impossible for them uh, to be turned uh, back um, to their creator, except for we're reminded that nothing is impossible with God. And it's for this reason, I think, that the prophet Isaiah can some, say something crazy. Like, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Nothing is impossible with God. Our God is a wonder-working miracle maker. Our God created the entire universe out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. I don't know about you, but I've never had the privilege of speaking something into existence. <laughs> I can chair. It's not going to work, right? Um, I can be like, hamburger. It's not going to show up. I can't speak anything into existence. But not only did God speak small things into existence, he spoke all things into existence. All things, small and big, all of the, the animals that we will never imagine or see or discover, he spoke them into existence in a moment. The fact that our world, our, our earth is round, he spoke that into existence. Things like rain, things like water, spoke them into existence. But I think that the truth, if we're honest today, is that for many of us, we struggle um, and our hearts and minds are filled with doubts. Doubts um, at times that God really loves us. We feel as though um, we're not worthy, which we're not. We feel as though um, he won't love us if he only knew, as if he doesn't. We doubt uh, we'll ever be good enough for him, which we won't. We doubt... Um, at times, that his grace is sufficient for someone like me. We doubt that it, whatever it is, will ever get better. And on and on, we could continue with this list of doubts that we have about God and who he is and what he can do. And we have a hard time believing. And at times, um, it seems um, that his unfailing love and miraculous grace are really just too good to be true. Sometimes it seems as though it must be fiction. But isn't, it, isn't that kind of the beauty of it all? That even when we doubt, his love is unfailing. Even when we doubt, um, he still extends to us grace of which we don't deserve. These things are gifts that God gives to us. And what better season... I'm going to talk about the gifts um, that he gives us, about his love and his grace. And when you place them in contrast to the world in which we live, we begin to realize our world needs the hope of Jesus more than ever. They need to hear about Jesus. So today, for those of you here who may be wrestling with doubts, let me be the first to tell you you're in good company. We all wrestle with doubts of different kinds on different days. When the angel Gabriel was telling Mary about how she would give birth to Jesus, she said, but how can this be? She doubted. When God commissioned Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, and Moses responded by saying, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children out of Egypt? 
Maybe you've asked questions like this before or like that before. How can this be? Or who am I? Maybe you've asked other questions of God, like how can you love me? Or where were you when I needed you? And then there's um, those of us, of course, that feel like there's this mountain of sin in our lives and it's simply too big to overcome. It's too much. It's too horrible. We've gone too far to truly be forgiven and to be loved. If that sounds like you, if you have doubts, I want us to take a quick second to revisit the passage from Isaiah. Don't forget that Isaiah 118 starts with these words, come now, let us reason. It doesn't start with the others. It says, come now, let us reason together. What God is saying is this, Let us reason together about the enormity of sin and rebellion that exists in your life. Let's be honest. We both know that it's there. Let us reasonably discuss the consequences of sin in your life. God is not afraid of this conversation. He's not ignorant of what we struggle with. He's not ignorant of our sin. He's not ignorant of the enormity of our sin. He's not ignorant of the things of which we hide and don't tell anyone. He's not ignorant of the things of which we doubt. He says, come, let us reason together. And then says this, though your sins are like scarlet, it is true. It is at least seemingly impossible to ever get this stain out. And then he declares this, they shall be, they shall be white as snow. Both things are true, my friends. Our sin, the state of the world that we live in, it's bad. It's getting worse. Do you agree? Um, that We're not in, I was talking to Troy earlier, we're not in a, um, just a bad season. I wish that were true, right? I wish um, I could go back to this idea of when I grow up and when I have kids, my life is just going to be like one degree different than my parents, right? Does anybody else have this fantasy? And, and, and here we are in 2023 thinking, holy cow, it's, it's going fast. It's going fast. And I think it's going to continue to go fast. That is true. It is horrible. I think it's overwhelming. It's condemning for us with our own sin, and it's pervasive. That is true. But we can also believe the truth that God can forgive, God can heal, and God can and will restore. It is also true. And I pray as though you hear those words today, no matter what place that you find yourself in, that you have even the slightest hint of hope in your spirit. Through the doubt, the fear, through the guilt, through the shame, through any and all of it, I pray that hope will find you right now in this moment. We need hope. Our world needs hope. As you dwell on that thought, listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon. The Lord does not deny the truth of what the sinner has confessed, 
but says to him, though your sins be as scarlet, I meet you on that ground. You need not try to diminish the extent of your sin or seek to make it appear to be less than it really is. It is all that and probably far more. Your deepest sense of your sinfulness does not come up to the truth concerning your real condition. Certainly, you do not exaggerate it in the least. Your sins are scarlet and crimson. It seems as though you have put on the imperial robe of sin and made yourself a monarch on the realm of evil. That is how a man's guilt appears before the searching eye of God. But let us reason together today, my friends. Let us celebrate um, the gift of unfailing love. Let us celebrate the gift of a merited grace in the midst of our own sin, in the midst of a world which seems to be going the way of sin and rebellion. For through the sacrifice of Jesus, for those who have placed their faith in him, he's made us white as snow. God does not see us when we place our faith in him as some broken, um, broke down, sinful, rebellious kid that just needs kicked out. He sees us with grace. The world in which we live, it's clearly marred by sin, without question. The world uh, that's been marred by sin for centuries, frankly, since Adam and Eve, and when they chose to eat of the fruit, is the world in which Jesus entered and still enters today. He came as a baby into that kind of world. And he chose to do this so we might find grace, so we might find mercy, so we might find forgiveness. And he did it so he could restore our relationship with him, that we might have the opportunity to be forever with him in glory. So friends, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, know that Jesus Christ meets you there. He meets you there. He doesn't ask you to clean up your act um, before he comes any more than he asked the world to clean up their act before he came as a baby. He simply asks us to come to him, placing our faith in him, turning from our sin, and he rescues us. He makes us white as snow. It's why we look forward to Christmas. Not for all of the traditions, all of the things that for so many years um, I longed for about Christmas. But the reason that we celebrate Christmas is that Jesus came as a baby into a world that was so messed up so he might rescue us. He might restore us as his people. So if you've ever turned to Christ and repented of your sin, if you've never turned from Christ, repented from your sin, may today be that day. Maybe, uh, may today be the day where your life is forever changed, where you experience God's unmerited grace in your life. If you're a follower of Christ and you're struggling with sin, which I think we all are, to turn to him allows grace and his mercy to wash us clean. If you're here today and you're concerned for our world and the people in it, pray and tell them about the one who came and the one who is coming again. Tell them about Jesus. It was amazing as um, 
several years ago, um, Sarah and I were with, were with Bob and Pat in uh, Kosovo. And um, the, the staff there, they, they took us to a college campus. And although we didn't understand exactly what they were saying because it was a different language, but the gist of it was this. Um, they would go around just interviewing students on campus and asking them what Christmas was about. Was shocked. They actually had no idea. Like, only a couple of them knew about Santa Claus. Most of them knew nothing um, about Christmas, especially about Jesus. This is the world we find ourselves in in the U.S. today. People don't know. They don't know that Jesus came as a baby into a world that was so marred with sin so that he might rescue it. They don't know of this hope of which uh, we proclaim. The answer to our problems today is not a great politician, although that would be awesome. It's not better policies, although those would be great. We all need the Savior that was born in a manger over 2,000 years ago. May he, uh, today and forever, um, be the focus of our lives. Let's pray as we close. Father, today, um, we're grateful um, that you've allowed us as your people, God, to come together to worship you. God, that you give us the privilege um, to know what it is to experience your grace and your forgiveness. And God, we acknowledge in the midst of that that we are sinful people. And God, as we um, look forward to this Christmas season, God, may we see the light of the world has come. God, may uh, we be people um, who share that light with others. And God, may you forever change us. Father, thank you for sending Jesus as a baby to enter into this world that we might be rescued, redeemed, restored. And it's only um, by and through his name that we pray. Amen.